It's time for us to begin our midday program here on KRVN on a Friday morning. Thank you so much for joining us here today, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. Appreciate you being with us. We are going to be talking about what we're going to be talking about over the next couple hours here at the round table. As Susan Littlefield is here with us, along with Jason Jorgensen and Bob Brogan. And we begin by saying good morning to Susan. How are you today? I'm doing well. Yourself? I'm good. I'm good. It's uh, it's a Friday, a busy weekend, but uh, that's all good, and it sounds like the weather's not going to be too bad. Yeah, I'll take it. We've got wrestling this weekend in Grand Island, so mm. that always makes for a fun weekend. Well, it doesn't matter much what the weather's like for that, then, so much. <laughs> True that. <laughs> what do you got for us today? Well, speaking of uh, weather, we're going to get all the details coming up here at 1219, kicking it all off with Al Dutcher. Then at 1245, Bryce will step in as he catches up with the Nebraska Cattlemen's Executive Vice President, Pete McClymont. Learn more about some policy process and things that are happening during this year's NCBA convention. And then Clay wraps everything up at 117. A chance to catch up with the Nebraska Cattlemen's President, Ken Hers, at the Dawson County Cattlemen's Banquet. He'll talk about some recent meetings and discuss some legislation things that you need to watch during the unicameral. Okay, always keeping a close eye on what's happening in Lincoln. Thank you very much. No problem. Have a great weekend. You too. You too. We turn it over to Jason Jorgensen. Good morning to you, sir. What's going on today? A lot of basketball and wrestling to talk about this Boy, that's time no of year. That is uh, no Boys FKC semifinals are set for tonight. Of course, we will bring you those games here on 880 KRVN at 106.9 in Kearney. Uh, you will have the call mm-hmm. tonight, so you should have fun with that. It's always a big event at the Bureau Center. They do that right. Uh, the, the folks that put on the FKC do a great job. Also, their wrestling meet with the Twin Valley Conference is going on at this time as well at the arena, so that'll, that'll be a busy place. And, and you are, are, are merely inches from the ice. I mean, maybe an inch from the ice when you're wrestling. I bet that's a little chilly. A little bit. Also, we'll talk about the Husker women's basketball team. They continue to falter here in the second half of the season. They were blown out last night on the road by Iowa. And uh, speaking of wrestlers, a lot of wrestlers will be in Kearney tomorrow as Kearney once again is hosting the uh, statewide duels tournament. Uh, That will start bright and early at 9, and then they'll have the finals at 5.30. So if you're planning on being in Kearney tonight or tomorrow, if you go to your favorite restaurant, don't be surprised if it's a little busy. There, there will be some commerce taking place in Buffalo County. Lots of stuff going on and bringing in good money to the town. Yep, too. and uh, Husker softball started yesterday, and UNK softball starts today. But the, oh my god, they went where it's much warmer. Well, the yeah. Lopers are down in Texas. That's all right. Okay, very good. All right, Bob, what's going on with you today? Stocks falling in morning trading on Wall Street, following other markets around the world lower. The Labor Department, meanwhile, says hiring jumped last month. U.S. employers added quite a few jobs. Kind of an impressive report there. Ford is shaking up its management after a poor fourth-quarter financial performance. Japanese automaker Honda reporting a dive in profits in its October-December profit season as strong demand for its motorcycles failed to make up for uh, falling vehicle sales. So... It's um, not going well in that area. All right. Very good. Well, we'll get more of that on Mint. Covering agriculture is a big commitment. When KRVN takes you on the road for agriculture, you might hear us reporting across town, across the country, or across the ocean. 
We thank our equally committed on-the-road sponsors. The Nebraska Corn Board. Nebraska Land National Bank. And the Nebraska Soybean Board. Powering our Ag News travel aboard the KRVN Soy Biodiesel Pickup. On the road for agriculture. Because it's a big story. Well, it's a little confusing at times, this uh, weather that we do, uh, as we uh, look outside and it's supposed to be sun's kind of peeking out and we got some fluffy flurries coming down. Yeah, they were really big there for a while, <laughs> some pretty big fluffy flakes. But yeah, don't be surprised if you see that in central and eastern areas for today. Some periods of snow flurries, some peaks of sunshine. Uh, better chances of seeing sunshine right now along and west of a line from uh, Gordon to North Platte to McCook and Norton, Kansas. Otherwise, a fair amount of clouds, often on clouds as you head into the central and east. But we do have some areas where they're seeing a fair amount of sunshine right now. Kearney to about Franklin and Alma, big gap in those clouds, and also over the southeast part of Nebraska. So it's really hard to describe just some varying amounts of clouds across the area today temperature wise relatively consistent across the state of nebraska except for northeast nebraska which has kind of been in the deep freeze most of this year it's a little cooler there but otherwise it's uh, pretty consistent again exactly yeah many of us with uh mid to upper 20s in much of the east and central and then those low 30s where there's been a little bit more sunshine actually low to mid 30s as you head towards the southwest up to 37 in mccook right now and then Right at 40 over portions of western Kansas and overland and towards the Hill City area. But much of Kansas, about 35 to 40. But a lot of snow if you're in Denver, about 4 to 8 inches of snow in much of Denver. A big mess there and still a fair amount of snow falling from about Fort Collins through Denver down to Colorado Springs and also towards Lyman and La Junta in eastern portions of Colorado. That's always an interesting drive anyway from Denver down to the Springs, and it seems like Castle Rock and Fountain and some of those areas always get pretty good snowfall. Looks like some good east upslope winds are really helping in that snow formation there. But otherwise, for today, partly to mostly cloudy skies, slightly cooler than normal on our temperatures as a weak cold front continues to linger in the region. We will see some periods of flurries and maybe some sprinkles in central and eastern areas. Tomorrow looks to be a much better day, slightly warmer than normal, with a lot more sunshine when this cold front that's in the region tracks back to the east as a warm front. But we're going to have a trade-off. Southwest winds expected to be breezy by the afternoon as the trough of low pressure strengthens to our west. A little snow or rain is possible for tomorrow night when another cold front moves in. Behind that front, Sunday looks to be windy with some strong high pressure pushing in from the northwest and temperatures back to slightly below normal. A westerly flow from Monday through Wednesday, warming those temperatures back to seasonal to slightly warmer than normal. Enjoy that three-day stretch because we do have a big blast of cold air on the way for the late part of next week. Small snow and some rain chances return by Wednesday through Thursday with a strong cold front. And next week looks to finish colder than normal as cold high pressure reinforces that cold from the north. In the long-term forecast, temperatures for Nebraska, Kansas, and the western two-thirds of the U.S. forecast to be colder than normal Wednesday through February 20th, especially in the mid to late part of next week. After that, it does look like that cold will let up. Above normal precipitation is likely Wednesday through the 20th for Nebraska and Kansas, that better chance the mid to late part of next week. In the latest regional drought monitor, Nebraska continues to be 95% drought-free. It remains abnormally dry over the southwest, along and south of the line from Sydney to Imperial and McCook. Kansas improved two percentage points to 70% drought-free. Abnormal dryness to a moderate drought continues in the west, along and west of the line from Oberlin to Liberal. 
and in the south central in a stretch from Coldwater to Newton and Cottonwood Falls, basically to the north and west of Wichita. Severe drought remains a concern in southwest Kansas from Garden City to the southwest corner. Key weather factors impacting the markets include additional rain and snow for the Midwest and more favorable weather in South America. In the wake of a storm, southeast U.S. flooding will persist for several more days. Weekend snow will blanket portions of the northern plains and Midwest with some of the most substantial accumulations from South Dakota to Michigan. Midwest soils, especially in eastern areas, remain saturated and at risk for flooding after recent rain and snow. A major system, the mid to late part of next week, expected to bring more heavy precipitation, mostly in the form of rain for eastern areas of the Midwest and heavy snow in western areas of the Midwest. Delays in spring planting remain a concern in much of the Midwest. Southern Brazil in line for weekend showers, which will be very timely for some crop moisture. Other parts of Brazil expect more periods of moderate to heavy rain. Extensive delays in soybean harvest and planting second crop corn in, no, in Brazil no longer expected. For central Argentina, moderate, moderate to heavy rain this week will be favorable for their crop moisture. All right. Very good. Well, a uh, decent weekend once again. So hey, At least for one of the days. Just one of the days. Just on the breezy yeah. side for tomorrow. And, and no major systems really on the way. Uh, kind of watch middle part of next week. If that system does move a little okay. bit more to the north, we may be seeing a little more snow, especially with the cold that's going to be in place by the mid to late part of next week. Okay. All right, very good. Well, thank you, Paul. I appreciate it. Where do you go to check in on your weather? KRVN.com. It's time again this week to visit with our Nebraska Extension Agricultural Climatologist, Al Dutcher. I'm Shaylee Peters on the Rural Radio Network. And, Al, a pretty warm start to this past week, and we kind of flip-flop back and forth uh, weather-wise. Will we continue to see that headed into this weekend and next week? Well, Shelly, you're exactly right. We have several frontal boundary processes uh, that move through the state, more of like in the northwest flow aloft as we had a mean troughing position in the eastern United States. So we were catching those light, what I call little clippers that move through, and of course we don't get a lot of precip with them normally, but enough to cause some headaches, especially if they occur during the overnight hours, has been the case this, this entire week. We really seen the mid most significant accumulation during the midweek period occurred out in the southern panhandle, but most other areas east of there were fortunate if they received even an inch in any given event. Um, and that's been the story much much across north, southeast, south central Nebraska this winter compared to last winter where we were almost triple the amount of snowfall putting those points through the winter. So instead of getting three to four inches in a shot, we were getting one, maybe two inches at a shot. The biggest issue going through this weekend is, is that we're probably see the nicest temperatures as we go through tomorrow. We're going to get a little bit of a rebound in temperatures as uh, as the high pressure that is responsible for this cooler air today gives us our backside flow. But then we start to go upstream as another wave starts to move in the in the northern stream toward us. And really, the biggest issue is where does the cold front come through on Sunday? So if we see the cold front start to move through the state during their first half of the day, then we're probably going to be tempering our highs about 5 degrees from from what we expect tomorrow, which is mid-40s across the state. If the system holds off a little bit longer, then we'll most likely get very similar temperatures and potentially even a little bit warmer on Monday, particularly southeast, south-central Nebraska. Right now, the miles don't really show much in the way of major moisture since it's coming from the north, so I expect normal flurry activity with the more concentrated snowfall to our north and to our northeast. 
Where the models start to diverge, particularly the euro and the GFS, is as we get into the midweek period. The GFS is showing a big trough coming through, a fairly strong trough coming through our region, but it splits the energy to the north and south of us. It, whereas a whereas a European model keeps more of that energy in the northern stream. So as we get toward Wednesday, don't be surprised if we see a very rapidly changing forecast depending on which of these models is going to be right. Now, if the Bureau is right, then we get our snowstorm here in the central United States sometime in the middle of the week. If the GFS is right, it really downplays the first release of energy and keeps it well to our south and moves it up the eastern seaboard as that mean energy goes through Texas and then swings through the southeast. More importantly, it shows a second wave coming in as we get into next weekend, particularly centered around the 15th. And that's where the GFS is putting all of its energy into the, the 15th, and then a secondary impulse coming in the same path as we get to the 17th for the, our big accumulations. And then after that, a cool pattern for basically this next seven days before there are signs, at least from the GFS side, that much warmer conditions start to start to develop across the central plains in response to the ridge from the west building into our region and bringing well above normal temperatures as we get to the last full week of the month. So at least there is some signs of hope down the road. The biggest question is going to be next Wednesday and next weekend, and it really depends on whether you believe the Euro model or the GFS. But the bottom line, what, between these two models, there does look like be a chance for some moderate to possibly significant accumulations of snowfall sometime between next Wednesday and next weekend. All right. Thanks so much, Nebraska Extension Agricultural Climatologist Al Dutcher. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Time for us to take a look at sports here on a Friday afternoon. Jason in here with me, and uh, boy... You know, I'm not exactly sure if it was a direct correlation, but ever since uh, Taylor got hurt, the Huskers have not played well. Well, a little bit. You I know. mean, you, you take a three-point threat out of there that, that hurts. Uh, they could have used her last night. Yeah. They hit less than 33% of their shots as they fell big on the road to 20th-ranked Iowa, 76-60, to and head coach Amy Williams says that one hurts. We're incredibly disappointed to come over here and and lose. I mean, uh, we're we're desperate to find a win, and I think our kids are doing things the right way. They have the right approach. Their um, attitudes are good. They're staying focused. They're continuing to stay together. And After a good start to the year, Nebraska's season has started to come off the rails. They've now dropped five of six. They are fifteen and eight overall, just five and seven Big Ten play. Graduate transfer Haley Semental was big in the game's final minute, and freshman guard Trinity Law had a huge third quarter to help 23rd-ranked UNK work their way past Central Oklahoma 75-69. to The Lopers have now won nine in a row. That is their longest winning streak since joining the MIAA. Wow. So they are 21-2 overall, 10-2 in conference action. Uh, the UNK women and men are back at home tomorrow afternoon at 2-4 and four against Newman. We will bring you those games on 93.1 The River. After a week off, the Nebraska men's basketball team begins a two-game road trip tomorrow. The Huskers will travel to Iowa City to take on the Hawkeyes. You think Iowa's been looking forward to this one? Uh, Nebraska beat them earlier this year. Tip-off is set for shortly after 5. We will bring it to you right here on KRV. And the Huskers are looking to stop a seven-game losing streak. Iowa was punched in the face the other night by Purdue. 
So Something tells me. <laughs> they're a little angry right now. Oh, boy. Maybe. We'll see. Uh, Creighton will host St. John's and third-ranked KU. They are at TCU tomorrow. The Huskers softball team lost yesterday to begin the season in New Mexico State. Uh, they are back in action in just a couple of minutes as they will be taking on UTEP. Carney is hosting the NSAA State Wrestling Duels tomorrow at the Buffalo County Fairgrounds at Class A. Carney squares off against Grand Island in Class B. Hastings will tangle with Minden. Other teams from the region that have made it include Adams Central and Central City in Class C. Amherst will be involved. And in Class D, Mullen, Burwell, and Maxwell have all qualified for that event. The FKC Boys semifinals are set for tonight. Pleasanton faces off against Ansley Litfield in the first game, and head coach Jeff Fetter says it's been a nice year for the Bulldogs. Kids, you know, we have a lot of senior leadership, and that's huge. Uh, the kids coming off the success of playing in the state football championship certainly benefited them uh, confidence-wise. It hurt us since the beginning of the year because we didn't get much practice before we played, but, uh, you know, the year's gone, gone really well. The kids... Uh, have responded to everything we've wanted them to do, and so very happy with it so far. You could have yourself a couple of nice semifinals tonight. So. This first one, the Bulldogs are 16-1. Ansley Litchfield's 13-4. The second one has Axtell against Loomis. They met it less than two weeks ago, mm-hmm. and that one went down to the wire. I'm really interested in both the, that Pleasanton and Loomis. You know, those those guys have really played well this year. I like to, I'm, I'm excited to see them. Uh, we'll have both games tonight on 880 KRVN, and tonight over on Cami Country, Cozat will host Minden. That's sports. For more, find it anytime at krvn.com. All right. Thank you, Jason. Backers of a proposed state-of-the-art medical facility in Omaha are asking Nebraska lawmakers to contribute $300 million in state money to the project. Describing it as a -a once-in-a-generation opportunity, the proposed Nebraska Transformational Project would create a new teaching hospital and research and education tower on the campus of the University of Nebraska Medical Center in Omaha. It would be a partnership of state and federal agencies to respond to natural disasters, infectious disease outbreaks, and other crises. The proposal would cost a total of $2.6 billion, making it potentially the largest economic development project in history. The annual Kearney Buffalo County CASA program's Men in Tights fundraiser takes place tonight at the Unis Center in Kearney. Margot Eisenagol Larson is executive director. She says there's a change-up this year. This year, we're doing a twist. It's still men in tights. However, instead of doing the typical beauty pageant, we are actually going to do Robin Hood this year. We've got all 10 contestants all dressed up as Robin Hood. So that's going to be a totally different thing. They'll still do talents, still answer questions. And then we're going to be doing a raffle as well as live auction. Some different elements to it. The event starts at 6 p.m. at the Unis Center in Kearney. The Kearney Buffalo County CASA program started in 2012. Proceeds of the fundraiser support volunteers that work side-by-side with foster children as they go through the court system. The Democratic Party's seven strongest presidential contenders are preparing for what could be the fiercest debate stage clash of the 2020 primary season. Friday's debate in New Hampshire offers new opportunity and risk for the shrinking pool of White House hopefuls. Bernie Sanders and Pete Buttigieg enter the night as top targets, having emerged from the Iowa caucuses earlier this week, essentially tied for the lead. A campaign aide for former Vice President Joe Biden said he plans to make a forceful, fiery case for his candidacy. Elizabeth Warren, Tom Steyer, and Andrew Yang will also participate in the debate Friday night. 
Some party members just drink the Kool-Aid. Not Matt Innes of Lincoln, who is running against Ben Sass for the Republican nomination for the U.S. Senate of the election. Innes says there are several ways he would be different from Senator Sass, starting with being on the Agriculture Committee. Agriculture is the most important thing in Nebraska. $28 billion is tied to it. Over 25% of all our jobs are tied to it. 48,000 farms. Uh, we have more farm counties and farm banks than any other state in the country. It's important. Ben Sass jumped off the ag, ag Committee and abandoned farmers and ranchers. Did it instantly, as soon as he could. Didn't even want to be on it. Uh, he always talks about, let's do more for them. Well, he's done nothing for them. Campaign funding is another hot-button topic for Innes. He claims Sass has received 96% of his campaign money from out of state. Reporting on the Rural Radio Network, I'm Austin Jacobson. With an update from the 2020 Cattle Industry Convention and NCBA Trade Show, I'm Bryce Stusky. Now have the opportunity to visit uh, with Pete McClimate from the Nebraska Cattlemen. And, and Pete, I know all cattlemen in Nebraska would probably agree 2019 was a year we want to look at in the past and not renew again. This is an opportunity to look ahead to maybe some more positive cattlemen and women coming together from across the country. Yes, exactly. So with the weather, with the markets, everything that happened last year, it was uh, an exception to even all exceptions, and so that's been a challenge, and we hope to move past that and hope 2020 is better. One thing that is critical that we've seen that's going to provide value, short-term, yes, but even long-term better, is the trade deals that the administration has uh, done. And it's an easy, arguable point that beef has been... Uh, benefited as much as any agricultural commodity in trade deals. And so from that standpoint, we're very fortunate and grateful for the administration on the Japanese deal, the Chinese deal. And there's a lot of other ones that are smaller that have allowed us to get into markets now that are going to be great in the future. I know this is a great time for, as I mentioned, cattlemen and women to come across from the country and discuss some of the policy perspectives. And I know Nebraska is bringing forth a resolution. There's a few others you've got your eye on. So let's first hit on the Nebraska one. Yes, exactly. So at our convention two months ago in Kearney, we passed policy um, in our tax committee for uh, to make sure that stepped-up basis is important. So as we hope that the federal estate tax would permanently be repealed, you always have to have a backup plan in place. And stepped-up basis is a critical, essential part because our operations are bigger you know, the capital it takes to run operations is, is more challenging than ever. So stepped-up basis can be a very critical part of how we can make sure and have the next generation be rewarded through the structure of government and, and our tax code. So we're bringing that, and I feel confident that will pass. So that's one that we're, we're proud of. Another one that has got a lot of attention that came out of the NCBA summer conference in Denver uh, in late July was looking at the issue of country of origin labeling and that's very important to people it's important to NC members it's a uh, voluntary in our policy but one thing that's came forward from the Oregon cattlemen which created a task force within NCBA was looking at it from the true aspect of the issue which is marketing it's not a food safety issue because USDA does a wonderful job through FSIS to inspect the meat. But the reality of it is we have to have a known program that we can allow producers to market their beef, have it be verified, uh, born, raised, harvested, 
in, in our country, and that will allow consumers the choice to find out where their meat's coming from. Because consumers are motivated by many different factors, and this one really helps us to hit that niche. And so that one appears to be on a good track to be passed, and uh, hopefully USDA would adopt this. Give us an idea a little bit of how the sausage is made here. These policies or uh, resolutions are brought forward to a body that would then vote on them. Give, tell us how that process works. We'll give an example from Nebraska Cattlemen. So our members come together and we annually create policy at our convention. Then we, as our board of directors, votes to take certain policies up the chain to NCBA to be promoted. Two weeks prior to NCBA annual convention, uh, we have the deadline to submit policy so it can be reviewed nationwide by the other state affiliates. And then there's a lot of hallway talk and chatter to try to refine those. And then at the end of the day, you go to the individual respective committees within NCBA, and then those get passed. Out of those committees, they go on to the general business meeting, and it's a two-step process. Number one, the board of directors votes to approve them, but then also it goes out to individual NCBA members and they can vote and then it doesn't become policy until later on. So it's really uh, a good, true uh, process to make sure that membership is rewarded and involved at all levels. We're having a great time here in sunny San Antonio. I understand, though, a lot of work that the Nebraska Cattlemen's Association is doing. Probably have people back in Nebraska still working uh, as the legislature's in session right now, don't you? Absolutely. So we're about a month into the legislature, and so uh, the uh, quality uh, lobbying team of Jesse Herman and Ashley Coles is home minding the fort and the store and making sure that everything stays on track. We're looking to hopefully... Get some movement on uh, property tax that's come out of the legislature's revenue committee. And we've got a couple of big brand bills that are up, a couple uh, water bills in the natural resources committee. So, you know, it's a, we're spread thin, but we're covering all aspects of what the members need. Steve McClimate from the Nebraska Cattlemen has been our guest here at the 2020 Cattle Industry Convention and NCBA Trade Show. I'm Bryce Duskate reporting from San Antonio, Texas. This is Alex Wojcicki with the Rural Radio Network. Join me every other Thursday for the Angler Entrepreneurship Journey. We hear from entrepreneurs from across the state to learn about their businesses. But more importantly, we learn about their journeys and how they got to where they are today. Interested in entrepreneurship? Join us to learn more about the Angler Agribusiness Entrepreneurship Program at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln every other Thursday at 1219 right here on 880-KRVN. And if you missed the program, you can listen to the podcast at ruralradio.com. Clay Patton on the Rural Radio Network. Just finishing up the Dawson County Cattlemen's Annual Banquet here at the Elks Club in Cozad. Talking with the president of the Nebraska Cattlemen. That's Ken Hers of the Hastings area. I'm a little further east of Dawson County. And Ken, a great turnout tonight. You've been going, it's banquet season right now. You've been getting to attend a lot of these. From the president's perspective, what's the good thing about getting to attend all these banquets? Oh, the greatest thing about these banquets is to uh, meet uh, the members of the Nebraska Cattlemen. It's always interesting to talk to them and, and listen to their viewpoints and, and <clears throat> answer questions that they may have about the Nebraska Cattlemen. 
Now, when you got up and spoke to the cattlemen here at the banquet here this evening, you talked about Nebraska cattlemen just held their legislative update where the committees came together to overlook all the bills going through the unicameral. Now, we're working on a short session, but there's several bills that the Nebraska cattlemen are key to watch this year. Can you kind of give us an update there? We uh, named three priority bills. Uh, one of the bills is Senator Hughes's bill, which uh, ties the water rights to the land that they cannot be separated. We think that's really important. The second priority bill was uh, the Senator Lenahan's bill on revenue, uh, giving us property tax relief. And uh, the third bill is uh, Senator Brewer's bill, modernizing the brand committee. And that leads me right to my next question, because I know, I mean, cattlemen, obviously very important and tied to the brand laws of the state, but Senator Brewers looks to modernize the, the brand rather than abolish the brand inspection. So give it, if you can, let us know, what does Senator Brewer intend on doing to modernize the brand end of it? One of them is that we're looking at using EIDs uh, in conjunction with uh, brands so that we can use those in place of. Another thing is uh, the way we charge for the brands that it would actually be uh, ch- uh, mileage would be charged, uh, actual mileage. The third thing is that the uh, feedlots would get some relief into what they're being charged in the, uh, for inspections. Now, obviously, anybody that's a Nebraska cattleman, if they want to know more about it, the Nebraska Cattleman's Office in Lincoln is closely watching these bills throughout the unicameral. What is the best way to go about getting maybe an update or to learn more about that through the Nebraska Cattleman? The best way to get updates is uh, we, we put out a newsletter every week during the, the legislative session. If you're a member, that should, if you got your email into us, that should be coming to you. You should, it's called the Nebraska Insider. Uh, you should be getting updates that way. If you you aren't getting those you can call the office you can ask to talk to someone in the office we'll give you an update about that you're a longtime producer you have family coming back to the operation do you obviously as president what do you see as the importance of being a member of not only your local county but state cattlemen's association well the importance of it is the voice that you have um <clears throat> we as uh, producers do not have a lot of times time to get away from our operations and to do all this work that Nebraska Cattlemen's doing. Nebraska Cattlemen has excellent staff who is uh, involved in all these issues, and uh, it's it's always great uh, to have that. Uh, it's money well spent. Ken, we appreciate the time. We've covered quite a bit of ground that cattlemen are currently working on, but do you think we overlooked anything or some final or closing comments for our interview? Uh, well, there's there's other things that we're always looking at uh, in a big, the bigger picture. We're looking at animal disease traceability. We're looking at uh, the pushback to animal agriculture. Uh, that, that has to really be addressed. We're looking at trade, and so all those things are really important to us, and that's a much larger scale, and we're looking at that more on the federal level. And again, Nebraska Cattlemen State President Ken Hurst joining us just after the Dawson County Cattlemen's Banquet in Cozad. On the road for agriculture, this is the Rural Radio Network. on the Rural Radio Network. Again, talking with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago. Unfortunately, uh, not being able to connect with John this afternoon. We were able to help get a hold of him yesterday afternoon. You can listen to that podcast at ruralradio.com. Just click on the market story or on the podcast tab. It is available there. But unfortunately, not able to get a hold of him today. Taking a look here at our closing grain market, though, as the settlements start to roll in. Soybeans coming back around here a little bit at the close. Uh, seeing some positive action as we've been talking all day on that March, con- March corn contract 
It's been right there around the 50-day moving average at 383. It's able to settle just above of that at 383.5. Still a key point of technical resistance, though, coming in off of its January high there at 385. Also looking here at the July and December spread, we're now up to about two pennies. That was flat here midweek, so December starting to gain a little bit there. Talking with Mike Zuzlo there at the midday, his podcast also available at ruralradio.com. He was talking about how corn basis is starting to firm around the country, and actually when you look at the goal for about 70 cents a, a premium bid in many instances, so uh, end users really and exporters trying to secure up some supplies so now it uh, looks like maybe futures trying to tail that just a little bit. We'll see, though, if it's met with resistance in the Sunday overnight trade. Of course, a lot of money also looking where does it go? Because right now we see the equity starting to deflate a little bit. The Dow heading back for 29000 flat down about 300 points on the futures. The NASDAQ S&P 500 both lower as well. So could we see a little bit of money flow come back over to the grain commodity side where we haven't seen that in quite a while, especially with the U.S. dollar index now back above its October high, currently trading at 98 56 up 17 ticks it's high at 98.59 so it's hanging right there close to its october high there we're going to start looking for close to a 99 dollar move following that uh the brazilian real looking at those global currencies also hitting a new low against the dollar this morning that not helping out uh, the commodity sector very much where china already uh speculated they purchased 15 cargoes of south american soybeans and although weather early on was continuing to delay an already sluggish uh, brazilian soybean harvest looks like that weather is going to start to dry out and be more favorable to that. Uh, Further to the north in Argentina, weather still somewhat mixed, but it looks like their corn crop still on track to produce an average crop, maybe not bumper, but still uh, looking to be fairly strong. Now, USDA Ag Attaché this morning did release out that they actually expect Brazil's soybean crop to come in even bigger. They said 124.5 million metric tons. That beats the previous record at 123 million metric tons. So uh, coronavirus also somewhat in the back of traders' minds right now. That focusing, though, a little bit more on the equities as to how that spread and transmission comes. But President Xi Jinping earlier uh, assuring President Trump that China would stay to its $200 billion buy, $40 billion of that going towards ag products. So that is a quick recap of the closing markets here on the Rural Radio Network. And that'll do it for our midday program here on KRVN. To hear today's midday program in its entirety, go to podcasts on KRVN, sponsored by Divinity Motors. Howdy, folks. This is Rick from Divinity Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram and McCook. When you're ready to buy a new vehicle, expect that our hardworking, experienced staff will treat you just like family. Go to DivinityChryslerJeepDodge.com today. And remember, it's not a deal until it's a Divinity deal. 